0: To receive any of the Bible resources mentioned in this broadcast, call 800 835 6747. Once again, that's 800 835 6747. Now, here's your host from Amazing Facts International, Pastor Doug Batchelor.
1: Hello, friends. Would you like to hear an amazing fact? Water skippers are found in ponds, lakes, streams, and oceans all across the Northern Hemisphere. They're known by many different names, pond striders, water skaters, Jesus, bugs, just to name a few. They might resemble spiders, but they're classified in the Jaredi family that contains about 1,700 species. Water skippers are fun to watch because of their unique ability to walk and scamper on the surface of the water without ever breaking through. They're able to do this because the ends of their feet contain thousands of microscopic hairs that trap air, giving them amazing buoyancy, the water skipper's legs are so buoyant, they can support 15 times their own weight, keeping them floating high and dry through rainstorms, waves, and river rapids. Water skippers try to avoid humans, but they do hunt and eat other bugs such as mosquito larvae that live within their water kingdom. But if a bug falls in their pond, they quickly locate their prey by reading the whipples on the water's surface with their legs. Then, using their middle legs like paddles, they scurry over the pond to find their dinner. Have you ever wished that you could walk on water? The Bible talks about two individuals that had that experience. Stay with us, friends. We're going to learn more on this
0: edition of Bible Answers Live. You're listening to Bible Answers Live, accurate and practical answers to your Bible questions.
1: This is Bible Answers Live, and we invite you to call in from around the world and around the neighborhood with your Bible questions. We're going to try and make the most of the medium of radio, and you may be wanting to watch, if you want to tune in that way, through the internet. You can simply go to the Amazing Facts Facebook page or the Doug Bachelor Facebook page, and you can see what's going on here in our humble studio or just be listening where you are right now. So give us a call with your Bible questions. It's 800 God Says, 800 463 7297, and I am Bug Datchler. <laughs> you talking about water bugs. My name is John Ross, and uh,
2: Pastor Doug, let's start the program with prayer. Dear Father, once again, we are grateful that we have this uh, opportunity to open your Word and study. We ask your blessing upon our program this evening, and we pray that the Spirit to guide our minds and those who are listening, wherever they might be, lead us into a clear understanding of what the Bible says, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Doug, you opened the program talking about these uh, little bugs that run all over the place on water. Uh, Rather interesting. Uh, there's another animal that comes to mind uh, down in Costa Rica. They have lizards that run across the water. That's right. <laughs> Call them a Jesus lizard. That's right. <laughs> Quite something to That's see. That's not the scientific name. Did they, have, did they have water bugs in
1: South Africa yes, when they lived there? Yes,
2: they did. I, I'm not sure the kind, but I remember them. Yeah. Yeah, because they're not
1: everywhere in the southern hemisphere. It seems like it's more the northern hemisphere. Yeah. And I remember when I, I lived in the mountains in a cave, I had a pool of water right outside the cave and plenty of spare time. I'd watch them uh, for hours and. And uh, it's kind of fascinating there, the little antics on the water. You know, if we try and walk on water, it doesn't always work so well. Mm-hmm. But the Bible talks about a couple of individuals that did walk on water. And I think many of our friends know the story. Jesus sent the disciples across the Sea of Galilee as he was dismissing this uh, crowd. that <laughs> They were trying to make him king and he was sending them off. He told the disciples, cross the sea, I'll catch up with you. And they thought he'd come in another boat. Well, in the middle of the night, they were stuck out there. The wind was against them and they were making no progress out in the middle of the sea. And it's nighttime and they see this phantom apparition coming towards them on the water. And, you know, they they all cried out in fear. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. It's me. And Peter, who was always the first one to say anything, he said, Lord, if it's you, then bid me to walk to you on the water. Jesus had come. Peter got out of the boat and he started walking towards Christ on the water. And uh, he was doing, you know, the impossible. But then he took his eyes off of Christ, maybe to see if his friends were catching it on video. When he took his eyes off Christ, he then noticed the wind and the waves and thought, what am I doing out here in the middle of the dark ocean? And his faith began to sink. And he began to sink. And just before he went under, he turned back to Jesus and said, Lord, save me. One of the shortest prayers in the Bible jesus grabbed him by the hand and pulled him back up again and led him back to the boat so they walked on the water and i think one of the lessons in this story is very important for every christian walking on water is normally impossible but you could do it if you keep your eyes on jesus living a holy life in this wicked world under normal conditions it would be impossible but if you keep your eyes on jesus you can do it if you call out when you start to sink Keep your eyes fixed on him. Do not live by sight, looking at the wind and the waves. Live by faith, looking unto Jesus. Tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, the way that we can succeed, it says fixing your eyes on Jesus, we can lay aside the sin and the weights that so easily ensnare us. And friends, God is calling all of us to repent of our sins. He promises through his sacrifice to have mercy, to forgive our sins. And then he gives us power to live new lives. Old things are passed away. All things are made new. You become a new creature. He can give you victory over whatever your temptations, habits, and besetting sins are. Don't believe some of the modern stories that Jesus just forgives us and we go on continuing to sin the way we always did. Uh, Christians are called to a new kind of living and you can be a new creature. We have a book. Don't let the title scare you. It will encourage you about how you can live a miraculous life. The book is called, Is It Possible
2: to Live Without Sinning? And as Pastor Doug said, you need to get the book. It's worth reading, and uh, you'll find it very encouraging. Jesus said, with man it might be impossible, but with God all things are possible. So get the book. I think you'll enjoy it. If you'd like to receive a free copy of the book, the number to call is 800-835-6747. That is our resource phone line, and we'll be happy to send that to anyone who calls and asks. Again, just ask for the book, Is It Possible to Live Without Sinning? Again, one more time, here's the resource number, 800-835-6747. And if you have a Bible question, our phone line here to the studio is 800-463-7297. That's 800-463-7297. Well, we're ready to go to our first caller this evening, and we have a caller from Florida. We've got Chris listening from uh, Lady Lake. Chris, welcome to the program.
3: Thank you, Pastor. Good evening. Evening. Good evening. I have a very, I will try to make it quick. And uh, it's about a prophecy from Ezekiel, Ezekiel 38, uh, 18 through 23.
1: All right, let's go there. Ezekiel chapter 38. It says it'll come to pass at that time when Gog comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that I'll show my fury in my face, in my jealousy. Okay, it's a prophecy about Gog and Magog. And what is your question about that? Because it takes quite a while to read all this
3: the Gog and the Magog, what do you think, what countries uh, there will be to, that will attack the Israel?
1: Well, you first hear, hear reference to uh, Gog in, I think it's Genesis chapter 10. These were some of the ancient enemies of God's people. When you get to Revelation chapter 20, I believe it is, where it says that Satan calls together Gog and Magog, the word Magog in the uh, ancient language, simply means from the matrix of Gog. So it's saying Gog and the children of Gog. It's kind of like Babylon and the daughters of Babylon. It's not talking about, some people say Gog and Magog are Russia and China, and uh, there's really no scripture to support that. Gog and Magog were, uh, they were enemies of God's people in the time of Israel. They were real enemies. In Revelation, it's symbolic for the enemies of God throughout the ages, all the wicked. The names in Revelation are all symbolic.
3: Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. And one more thing, it's very related to it, uh, to the subject. From Zechariah 14 and verse 16 and 17, it says that all nations will be required, if uh, when the King comes, named Jesus, they will be re- required to observe the Feast of Tabernacles.
1: Yeah, when it talks about the Feast of Tabernacles there in Zechariah, I think it's basically saying they're all going to remember the way God saved them. During the, the Feast of Tabernacles was to remind them about the way God saved them from Egypt and provided for them as they tabernacled in the wilderness. Zechariah is basically saying in this prophecy that everybody then is going to be remembering how God saved them and provided them. know, the Exodus was an illustration of that. Zachariah and Ezekiel? You're picking on two of the two of the uh, deepest books, Chris. And but uh, you're you're a deep thinker, I can tell. Hope that helps a little bit. Next caller
2: that we have is Bill, listening from Illinois. Bill, welcome to the program.
4: Hi, uh, Pastor Doug, Pastor John. How are you this evening?
1: Doing great. Thanks for calling.
4: Okay, my question is this: I just got finished reading King, uh, the first book of Kings. Okay. And I want to know, it talks about uh, where Solomon built the temple and then he moved the Ark of the Covenant into the temple. And I want to know, it says, I don't remember the exact verse, but it says that the only things in the Ark were the two tables of stone. And I'm reading this from the King James Version, if that helps any. But uh, my question is, what happened to the book of the law that Moses wrote and then also what happened to the jar that they had the manna in for, I guess, remembrance how Jesus took care of them in the wilderness Yes. and Aaron's rod.
1: Good question. Let me, let me see what I can do about that. Uh, you'll remember that before the time of David in the book of Samuel, and I believe it's first Samuel, the ark was captured by the Philistines. And it's very possible that during that time, well, there's two things that happened. The ark was captured by the Philistines And then when the Ark came back to the land of Israel, I think it was the men of Jabesh Gilead looked in the Ark, and there was a plague, and many of them died from that. So either the Philistines or the people of Jabesh Gilead, they reached in and they they took out the uh, rod of Aaron and the pot of manna. Now, as far as the law of Moses, they still had the book of the law, because, and Pastor Ross might help me read this, but... When Josiah had them searching the sanctuary, they found the book of the law written by Moses. We believe this is the Torah. And they read it to, it may even be just the book of Deuteronomy, they read it to Josiah and he cried. That was not in the ark. The book of the law was in a pocket on the outside of the ark. Uh, Only the Ten Commandments, the rod of Aaron, and the pot of manna were on the inside of the ark during the wilderness wanderings. When the ark was captured by the Philistines, either they or the people of Jabesh Gilead must have removed it. It does not say, but they probably looked in the ark because I think the Philistines, they put an offering back in the ark, didn't they? They put like five golden mice or something. So they were opening up the ark. They didn't have the same uh, scruples about that that the Israelites did. Hey, thank you very much, Tyler. Hope that helps a little bit And for your, your question, or rather, Bill. Uh, the virtue referring
2: to Pastor Doug is Second Chronicles thirty four fourteen That talks about them. Uh, Hilkiah, the priest, finding the book of the law written by Moses in the temple. Next caller that we have is Zane listening from, uh, we've got uh, California. Zane, welcome to the program. Colton, yes.
5: I had a question because I've been trying to get closer to God, um, uh, but I have this thing I've always not understood completely. Does the Holy Spirit use guilt to guide people? It's something I've always been confused by and kind of worried about
1: well don't worry Uh, Jesus doesn't want you to live in fear the verse in the Bible where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit it says he comes not only to comfort but to convict he the Spirit of truth when he's come he will convict the world of unrighteousness so one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction when God poured out the Holy Spirit Zane in Acts chapter 2 you'll notice that as Peter preached and said you're guilty of betraying the Messiah it says they were pricked in their hearts and that's just a figure of speech for saying they were deeply convicted and they said what do we do well God didn't leave them in a state of guilt he said repent and you'll be forgiven and God will give you the Holy Spirit so that sermon and their conviction that repentance was a gift of the Holy Spirit and uh, do you have that John fifteen twenty six. you want to read that please um, but when the comforter comes
2: whom I will send for the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. And then it goes on to say that uh, the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction of unrighteousness. John 15:26 and onwards. People, obviously,
1: that would be the same sensation as guilt. There's a conviction. Uh, there's a remorse. But God doesn't want to leave you there. The book of James says, humble yourself in the sight of God and he will lift you up. Jesus wants us to repent of our sins. That comes through conviction, and some people call that guilt. We feel guilty for our sins. But you don't want to have the kind of repentance where Judas repented, he went out and hung himself. Peter repented, he went and wept, and Jesus forgave him. Our guilt shouldn't just leave us beating ourselves up. It should lead us to repentance, then a reform and a a new life, forgiveness. Is that helping, Zane? Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that helps. Very good. Well, thank you very much, and you will enjoy the book we're offering tonight. The title, again, sometimes intimidates people, but it's a great book. It's called, Is It Possible to Live Without
2: Sinning? And the number to call if you'd like to receive that book is 800-835-6747.
0: And again, ask for the book, Is It Possible to Live Without Sinning? You're listening to Bible Answers Live. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. Call us at one 800 god Says. For life-changing Christian resources, visit afbookstore.com.
1: The Bible tells us that salvation, of course, emanates from God. So we need to know something about God to rightly understand and embrace salvation. Yet in the church today, there's a great deal of confusion about the nature of God. The Bible says God is one God, but is He three persons? Is Jesus also eternal God? Because Jesus is the Son of God, does that mean there was a time when He did not exist or He was brought into existence? Is the Holy Spirit a person, or is He just the force and the energy that God uses to communicate? You know, I thought this was so important, I really felt led of the Lord to write a book on the subject called Exploring the Trinity, One God or Three. In this book we answer those very important questions. We talk about the history of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament as well as the history of the Holy Spirit in the church and how it has been much debated. This is something we really need to understand because Jesus said eternal life comes from knowing God.
2: We've got Charles listening in Florida. Charles, welcome to the program.
4: Thank you. Um, my question is, oh, uh, actually, before I start with my question, the land str- the land striders that you were talking about, yeah, I used to play with those a lot back in the country of uh, back in the hills of Tennessee. So. Now let
1: me ask you, did you ever get bit by one? No, actually, I didn't. Yeah, they um, most of them don't bite, but I, I read online in getting my amazing fact ready that some of them do. Isn't <laughs> they're not dangerous? <laughs> some of them will poke you. Anyway, go ahead. I was just curious about the Tennessee variety and your question. <laughs>
4: My question is, um, well, I want to live more holy for Christ. I want to be able to to do more to, you know, doing His will, like helping the homeless, you know, visit the sick, that kind of thing. But um, but my funds are not really there to help in 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 the way that I want to. So, and my question is, how will I know when I'm fully ready for when Christ comes? Because I want to be more holy for Him.
1: Well, it sounds like you want to do more service. Now, you're not saved by doing service. Right. You want to do the service because you love the Lord and you are saved.
4: Exactly.
1: Uh, you know, if, you, if you're not able to serve because, you you know, by donations, a lot of churches have programs where they need people to just come and volunteer their time, where you can help feed. They, you know, they have food lines where they need people to serve the food. Uh, you know, in our church, we take, um, we, we dispense uh, literature to the homeless and, and people that are in need. We dispense clothing and food and, and uh, practical winter supplies. The people who are helping us don't necessarily need to have money, but they're giving their time. You might check with some of the uh, good churches in your community and find out how you can volunteer.
4: That sounds good. Um, also, what about as far as like um, like like funds, as far as the same thing, Um, I actually have student loans, so, I mean, if Christ comes before those are paid off, is that going to affect me, or is that going to...
1: Well, you're you're definitely not being saved by being out of debt. If God only saves those that have no debt, then a lot of people aren't going to make it that otherwise would love to be Christians. You know what? Hey, you're the first, Charles, you're the first who's going to hear this. I wrote a book called Deliverance from Debt. It's got a lot of encouragement in it, and uh, we'll send you a free copy of that. I saw it up on the publisher's desk uh, last night. It's brand new. It's based on a message I shared a couple of months ago. Deliverance from Debt, we'll send you a free copy if you call the resource line. The
2: number to call again is just simply 800-835-6747, and you can ask for the new book entitled Deliverance from Debt, 800-835-6747. We've got Lawrence, listening from New York. Lawrence, welcome to the program.
6: Hello, sir. Greetings.
1: Greetings. Thank you for calling.
6: I'm so happy that you took my call.
1: How can we help you tonight?
6: Okay. A question I was pondering today when we um, dealt with the message in the church about uh, Matthew 24, around verse 35, 34, Uh The Pharisees trying to trap Jesus with a question, and... And, and Jesus was countering them. And then uh, there was a point where um, Jesus asked them a question. And, and, and I'm pondering the answer. He says, well, how come uh, David, Jesus, is supposed to be? He said, who is, who is Jesus? He said, he's the son of David. He said, oh, well, how, would Jesus, how is it that Jesus is the son of David? And yet called uh, Jesus Lord. The, yeah, the Lord said unto my Lord, set out my right hand. Until I make the enemies a footstool and references like that.
1: That's in Luke 20, verse 42. Yeah.
6: Beautiful. So we're trying to figure out how is it possible that Jesus is the son of David, and at the same time, David is calling him Lord.
1: Well, you might also ask, uh, when Mary had her prayer, and she's basically saying, you know, that I should be the mother of my Lord. And so it's not just that David realize that Jesus, his son, was ultimately, he was an ancestor of David, but he was the Messiah. God came through man in the incarnation. Yeah, I think that uh, it's just telling us
2: that... uh, Yeah, in the discussion that Jesus had with the Pharisees, the religious leaders, uh, they were refusing to acknowledge that Jesus was anything more than just a man. And I think in Christ's discussion with them, and in quoting David, quoting from the Psalms, He was trying to help them understand that uh, the Lord or the Christ was more than just the physical son of David, but he also is the son of God. And after Jesus said this to them, Matthew 22, verse 46 says, and no man was able to answer him a word. So I think the point was made that the Christ was more than just the son of David. He
1: was also the son of God. Right. And Jesus in his uh, passage, he's quoting from Psalms 110, verse 1 where he says, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And you're, you know, the book of Matthew starts by making the point that Jesus is the son of David, and yet he is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very important point. Thank you for your question, Lawrence. We've got Lee listening in
2: Arizona. Lee, welcome to the program. Hello. Uh, hello, Pastor John. Hello, Pastor Doug. How are
3: y'all doing tonight?
1: We're doing great. Doing good.
3: All right. Okay, I've got a doozy of a question here uh, for you Uh, I had been listening to a um, something on YouTube it was from years ago about 20-30 years ago from a man by the name of Finus Dake I don't know if you've heard of him Uh, he's the one that the author of the Dake's annotated reference bible what he was saying was and this had something to do with creation Was there a previous world—this is my question—was there a previous world there that was flooded by that time that the Holy Spirit had hovered over the waters?
1: Yeah, I think I've heard that theory before, and and I guess he's the one that uh, was the author of that. But no, I don't believe there's anything in the rest of the biblical record that implies there was a global flood before the flood of Noah. There's nothing in the text really that says that, uh, you know, another world existed. Some people have have taken like the myth of Atlantis and they've tried to mix it with the Bible and say, well, when God started creating our world, it was because the prior world had been destroyed by the waters. And and we're just reading about the recreation of that world after this flood before the time of Noah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Well, yeah. Before, uh, yeah, before even creation, creation. That's a theory that just a handful of people have put out. There's nothing in the Bible that supports prior to Genesis that there was a uh, another flood. All right. Yeah, I've heard it. But a good question. You know, the Bible tells us that God, when he flooded the world, he told Noah, I'll put the rainbow in the sky as a promise that I will never do it again. Well, he was pretty clear that was the first time and it was the last time he didn't say this is the second time I flooded the world. Right. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, that was the first flood, and next time it says he's destroying the world not with water, but with fire. That's 2 Peter chapter 3. Thank you. Appreciate your call, Lee. We've got Deborah listening in Tennessee. Deborah, welcome to the program.
5: Hello, pastors. Good evening.
1: Evening. Thanks for calling.
7: I
5: have a question I've wanted to ask you for a long time. In Revelation 22, 2, where it's talking about the leaves of the tree were for the healing of nations... I read in the writings of another author that that meant the leaves, the pages of the Bible were the leaves. Do you know anything
7: about that?
1: You know, I don't know that I've heard that. When it says that, you see, the tree of life is a real tree. It's not a symbolic tree. And it says that there there are 12 different kinds of fruit 12 times a year and the the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. That is a quote, and Pastor Ross might help me, I think it's in the last chapter of Ezekiel, it says that all around where the water flows from the temple, everything where the water flows will live, and the leaves of the tree will be for medicine. It's very similar to what you find in Revelation. Yeah, that's Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 12. I think God is just telling us that Every part of the tree, the fruit, the leaves, give life and healing. Now, I've heard this given a couple of ways, Deborah. One theory was that right now in the world, all the nations are divided by our governments, our races, our languages. In heaven, we'll all speak the same language. There'll be no government or racial barriers as we all gather under that magnificent tree of life all the barriers and all the things that separate us are going to be healed. And so the being under the leaves are a symbol for that. And when it says the tree of life, the Bible is called the tree of life and the leaves of the pages of the Bible are healing. I've I've heard that metaphor before, but I don't think that's supposed to eclipse the truth that there really will be leaves on the tree of life that may have some special powers because you find it both in Ezekiel, and repeated in revelation hey we really appreciate that deborah thank you for calling several first-time callers we invite you to give us more calls we love hearing from you i'm stalling a little bit now because 19 seconds we're taking our mid-time break and i don't want to start and stop a new question don't go away friends the best part of the program is yet to come and we're going to have more bible questions when we come back jot down amazingfacts.org, and you can be blessed by this ministry all week long
0: Coming back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Bible Answers Live will return shortly. Did you know Amazing Facts has a free Bible school that you can do from the comfort of your own home? It includes 27 beautifully illustrated study lessons to aid in your study of God's Word. Sign up today for this free Bible study course by calling 1-844-215-7000. That's 1-844-215-7000.
1: We know we're here, but we're not here for very long. So the most important thing would be If we could learn during this life how to live forever, this is the central focus of Amazing Facts. I think it's very important for us to build churches. But if the churches lose the message of salvation, they just become buildings and shells. I think it's important to have a medical ministry and build hospitals. But if they separate that from the message of salvation, you just prolong a sinner's life for a little while. That's why for years, Amazing Facts has made it our focus to present the saving truth, that sets people free. And friends, we want to thank you for your support and your gifts. We'll do our very best to convert those resources into the currency of heaven. May God bless you and keep amazing facts in your prayers.
8: Deep within the pages of the Bible, stories of great heroes, heroes of great deeds, great love, and great sacrifice. But behind them is another hero hidden in plain sight amid the shadows. He was there from the beginning, and he'll be there until the end. Discover the golden thread of a Savior woven throughout the entire Bible tapestry. Shadows of Light, seeing Jesus in all the Bible. Get your copy today by calling 800-538-7275 or visit afbookstore.com.
0: You're listening to Bible Answers Live, where every question answered provides a clearer picture of God and His plan to save you. So what are you waiting for? Get practical answers about the good book for a better life today. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. To receive any of the Bible resources mentioned in this evening's program, call 800-835-6747. Once again, that's 800-835-6747. Now, let's rejoin our hosts for more Bible Answers Live.
1: Welcome back, listening friends, and if you have joined us somewhere along the way, as you heard, this is a Bible study. We'd love to have you participate. You can listen, pray for us as we do our best to answer the questions and spread the seeds of life, and you can call in with a question, 800-God-Says-800-463-7297. I am Doug Bachelor.
2: My name is Sean Ross, and we're ready to go back to the phone lines. We've got uh, Robert listening in Walla Walla. Uh, Washington, Robert, welcome to the program. Hello, Pastor Ross. Hi, Pastor Doug.
1: Hi. And your question tonight.
5: Yeah, I was I know you've got the question in, in front of you, but c- could I change my question? Well
1: it depends on what you change it to. We may not know the answer. Oh, so go ahead, <laughs> take a stab at it.
5: Okay, it's uh John chapter twenty verse seventeen, uh, where Jesus is going to be resurrected I mean he's going to go up to go up to heaven. Yeah. Um and he tells Mary, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father but go to my brethren and tell them I'm sending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Does Jesus have a God?
1: When Christ was on earth as a man, the Bible says that he uh, assumed uh, all the ways that man should approach God so that we could uh, associate and understand. And uh, Jesus prayed. Why would Jesus need to pray if he, if he had his divinity? When Christ was a man, he did not have all knowledge swirling around in his head. I mean, just think about it for a minute. If he's born as a baby, uh, when he came out, did he come out talking? No, he had to learn. Did he come out walking? He had to learn. He had to get potty trained by Mary like other children. He was entirely human because he laid aside his divinity. So before his ascension, he's basically telling Mary and the disciples, he says, I'm going to my father. When I taught you to pray our father in heaven, he said, Our Father. And when he prayed, he said, My Father. You know, Christ always gave us an example of how to approach God. Do you think uh, Do you think Jesus is God the Son? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I believe that too. So uh, I think that you're looking at his response here before his ascension. Yes. He's basically saying, Go tell the brethren I'm going to the God that I've been telling you about, my God, that I've been teaching you about. There are many different gods in the world that people worshiped. That's true. Now, you know, I've got a book I'll be happy to send you. We've got that new book on the Trinity where it talks about the divinity of Christ. I don't know if, if we answer this verse in there. It's a good, uh, it's a good verse. All right. So uh, if you'd like to receive
2: the book, it's called The Trinity is a Biblical, and it deals with this whole idea about the Godhead and what the Bible teaches. We'll be happy to send it to anyone who calls and asks. The number is 800-835-6747, and you can ask for the book on the Trinity. just called The Trinity is It Biblical. Next caller that we have is Judy, listening from New York. Judy, welcome to the
1: program.
7: Hello, good night. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. My question is regarding perfection. Coming from Matthew 5, verse 48, and I quote, um, Be perfect as the Father in heaven is perfect. How can we be perfect when, as a child growing up, I've always heard no one is perfect. No one is perfect.
1: Well, you know, I think the key to understanding this verse is if you look at what he says in Luke, he says, be therefore merciful, just as your father in heaven is merciful. Now, which would you find easier, being perfect or being merciful? Merciful. All right. So when you look in Matthew chapter five, he's talking about how to relate to your brethren. Notice, go to verse 43 love your neighbor, love your enemies, bless those who curse you. If you only do good to those that do good to you, he's talking about loving your brother. So when he says, therefore be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect, keep in mind, you read that same passage in Luke and it's saying, be therefore merciful. And that's Luke uh, six thirty-six. Be therefore merciful. God wants us to have perfect love and mercy with our brethren. He's not asking us to be stainless steel robots so when you look in the Bible and you read about people like Peter do you believe Peter is going to be saved yes he will. okay well there was Peter a very interesting character yes he, he mean, you know did a lot of stumbling he spoke before he thought even the Apostle Paul and David and you look at the characters that ended up becoming heroes of faith in the Bible and uh, most of us would not describe them as perfect I mean the ones I worry about if people like Daniel seem pretty perfect Elisha Uh, Maybe Joseph, there's no record of their sins. Well, Joseph did toy with his brothers a little bit. But the fact that they made it makes me believe I can make it. Because the Bible says Elijah was a man subject to the same passions as you and me. And yet he prayed and the, you know, the heavens stopped raining and then it started raining and fire came down. And these are real people like you and me and God gave them his spirit and he gave them this perfect love and mercy. And we can have that.
7: Okay, thank you very much for the clarity.
1: Thank you, and you will enjoy the book, Is It Possible to Live Without Sinning? It, it talks about this subject. The number to call for that is
2: 800-835-6747. And again, just ask for the book, a free offer for this evening, Is It Possible to Live Without Sinning? We have a caller calling for the first time from Massachusetts. I believe it's Fedner. Uh, welcome to the program. Hi, how's it going? Doing
1: good. Thank you for calling.
6: It's my first time, you know, actually getting to meet you, so I'm I'm thrilled to listen to you since I was twelve years old.
1: Wow, well thank you for calling and what's your question tonight?
6: Well, truth be told, I've um watched your video, The Richest Caveman, and that gave me some inspiration, but has to my my question would be, how is it that I would come to to find my purpose, you know, what what you know, what it is that the Lord wants me to do, you know, for the rest of my life?
1: Good question. Now, before we uh, disconnect, I want to tell you right up that we have a book we want to send you called Discovering the Will of God. It basically is a book written about your question. How do you know God's will for your life? First of all, do what lies closest to hand with all of your might. If you say, Lord, I want you to tell me what my life is supposed to be. God doesn't always lay out the whole blueprint. He usually shines the light on your next two or three steps. Mm. so say lord show me the next two or three steps it might be now do you mind my asking how old you are you said you've been listening since you were 12 i'm 22 years old okay you're a young man Mm uh you're you're yeah i've got uh guitar strings older than you (laughs) on my guitar (laughs) so you're you're still in the beginning continue your education find out what what do you like to do in other words it says in psalm 37 he'll give you the desires of your heart when you commit your life to the lord he will direct your paths he'll put things on your heart god just began to put it in my heart to preach and that's how i kind of knew what he wanted me to do is nothing nothing was bringing me any more purpose or satisfaction than telling other people how to live forever so as you've committed yourself to the lord he directs your path talk to christian friends that you trust that you know have a relationship with the Lord and say, what do you think my gifts are? What do you think God's plan is? The Bible tells us in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. So get some good Christian counsel, pray that God will guide you and then look for providential openings. God's next step for you might be shoveling sand in a golf course sand pit. That was one of his steps for me. That was his plan for me for at least one day. And then I realized that was not what I was supposed to do with my whole life. But I had to do that for one day. To know that so don't be surprised if there's a few detours moses had to follow around a bunch of sheep for several years before he had this great work god put on him be patient mm-hmm. so let me send you that book is that okay fedner it's called how do you determine the will of god it's a sh- small book but it's got all the bible keys anyone out there if you want to better know what the god what god's will is for your life or in some situation please request this book we're sending it out free we just trust people will continue to support the ministry, and we send this stuff out by faith.
2: If you'd like to receive that book, the number to call is 800 835 6747. And again, just ask for the book called Determining the Will of God. The number one more time, 800 835 6747. Our next caller that we have, let's see, I think it's Sherry Ann, listening from Massachusetts. Sherry Ann, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi.
7: Good evening are well, you both. Um, thank you all for doing such a wonderful job. Well, thank you. Uh, my question tonight is, um, I was reading God's Word, and I came across these two verses, and in Exodus twelve forty says, Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelled in Egypt was 430 years. And in Genesis fifteen thirteen says that he said unto Abram, Know of it surely, surely that thy seed shall be in stranger in the land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them for 400 years so I was studying God's Word and I you know I don't want to be wrong and maybe I misunderstand somewhere along the line but I really want to understand is it the Israelites were captivity in Egypt for 400 years or 430 years
1: well their captivity this is what confuses people they were not in Egypt for 400 anything years now, there are two different dates given. If you look in Genesis, and you can look in Exodus, and even in Galatians 3.17, uh, there seems to be some confusion. The 400 years is covering the time from when God gave this warning, this prophecy to Abraham through the Exodus. That was 400, uh, I think that's 430 years, all the way through the no, Exodus. In Genesis 15:13 says
7: 400 years, in Exodus 12. 14 says 430
1: years. But what I'm getting at is the time they were actually in Israel as slaves. Keep in mind, they didn't go right down and turn into slaves. They they weren't slaves. Joseph was 110 when he died, and they still weren't slaves. So the slavery itself did not last. I think it was closer to 200 years. The period of time from the time of prophecy that God gave Abraham until the Exodus was, I believe, 430 years, but... It depends on what your starting point is. Is your starting point when he gives them the prophecy or is it 30 years later when Ishmael persecutes Isaac? See what I'm saying? He he first gives him the prophecy in Exodus and in, in Genesis 15. Is that right? Yeah, 15, 13. And he says, know of a surety that your descendants will be slaves in another country and they'll serve them 400 years. Then if you that time doesn't actually start from when he gives him the prophecy 30 years later when Ishmael is born and Ishmael is persecuting, I'm sorry, 30 years later after Isaac's born, Ishmael is persecuting Isaac. Ishmael's mother was an Egyptian. They say, this is when the Egyptian persecution began. I know that sounds a little complex. So there's a 30 year difference. It's kind of coming back to me as I share it with you from when the prophecy is given until the persecution begins. One is starting from the prophecy to abraham the other starting from the persecution of ishmael against isaac the actual slavery in egypt didn't start until after joseph was dead
7: and that's only a, around 200 years
1: and that's closer to 200 we don't know the exact date of the time that the pharaoh began to you know say i'm throwing the babies in the river and making them serve with hard labor uh it's kind of hard to pin that down but that was closer to 200 years keep in mind that moses Grandfather was a son of Levi, Amram. I mean, Amram's father. There's a pretty short span between the time of Levi, who went down to Egypt when he was alive, and Moses. So you got 200 years there. So, you know, I just, I've seen several, while you and I have been talking to refresh my memory, I just typed into Google, I'll admit it, friends. I just typed into Google Exodus 430 years. To find the articles that I've read on that, and you can see a lot of great information on that. In. you're a good Bible scholar if you're looking at those questions. Thanks so much for your call, and hope that helps a little. Next caller that we have is calling from
2: Texas, uh, Shadia Perez. Welcome to the program. Thanks, John,
5: uh, Pastor Doug. Good to meet you. Many years uh, following amazing facts. Got a question um, when trying to witness to a um, a pastor, a person with uh not 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 just a pastor but a person with a doctorate in theology and trying to witness on key subjects of salvational truths, how do you broach that subject not being a person with uh those subjects, not being a person um with uh, uh, you know studious but not with that type of uh of knowledge, and, um, you know, these subjects, they had to have come up during the teachings that they have received.
1: Well, I don't want to dismiss the importance of higher education. You know, uh, Luther and Paul were both very educated, and their education paid off in, uh, you know, some some great work that God did. But then you also have uh, the world being turned upside down by fishermen, who had Jesus and the Holy spirit and the word of God, like Peter and James and Andrew. And uh, I guess Matthew Levi was an accountant so don't, I would never be intimidated by someone who may have a proliferation of degrees. If you're studying with someone, they may be well studied and have degrees. If they're honest and humble, if they're proud of their degrees then they, they probably stop learning. If they're honest and humble and teachable, you know, I've met some people that went through college, had all kinds of degrees, and they said, you know, we've learned more from listening to amazing facts than we learned in 30 years of a church and universities. <laughs> so, yeah, and some people, they're just, you know, they're only getting uh, a small segment of the truth. So don't be intimidated by it. Just humbly pray and study with these people. And, you know, you also might do it in a way where you ask questions. You can teach people by asking questions. This is what Jesus did with the scribes and the Pharisees. He got them to think by asking questions. How did he talk to Nicodemus? He's, he talked about being born again. Yeah. You know, Nicodemus was educated. So hope that helps a little bit. Yeah, it, it does. It does. It just, it's just something that's
5: tugging at my heart. And I've been, uh, you know, waiting for the opportunity. But, you know, that sense of intimidation. Hey, don't want to wrap myself up uh without an answer without the hope that is in me without being able to
1: answer it oh no you can do it and you've got a good voice for radio i'll just tell you (laughs) so i think that uh, you keep studying and you'll you'll go far hey thanks so much these or shetty that's it and uh, we appreciate your call
0: you're listening to bible answers live this broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific time. Call us at one eight hundred God Says.
9: Does your heart burn for a better purpose? Do you yearn to do more with your faith? Do you desire to be a powerful witness, a blaze for Jesus Christ? Where do you start? Make your first step at AFCO, the Amazing Facts Center of Evangelism.
5: Here at AFCO, I've learned so many things, and my spiritual growth has just skyrocketed.
9: AFCO has distilled 50 years of Amazing Facts evangelistic expertise into a dynamic, professional, and educational experience that transforms the nervous Christian into a prepared and bold witness.
1: AFCO is really about learning while doing. It's a -a one-of-a-kind experience for those who are serious about entering gospel ministry and those who simply want to make an impact in their local churches and communities. Go to AFCO.org today and explore
9: this life-changing program. AFCO, equipping soul winners,
8: setting the world ablaze for God. Did you know that Noah was present at the birth of Abraham? Okay, maybe he wasn't in the room but he was alive and probably telling stories about his floating zoo. From the creation of the world to the last day events of Revelation, BibleHistory.com is a free resource where you can explore major Bible events and characters. Enhance your knowledge of the Bible and draw closer to God's Word. Go deeper. Visit BibleHistory.com.
2: Next caller that we have is Wesley listening from California. Wesley, welcome to the program.
6: Yes, my question is, uh, what is the role of the parents if children are looking for the spouse, for the future groom or, you know, bride? Uh, what does the Bible teach us? You know, like we have different cultures. Some some cultures, uh, parents are more involved than other than other cultures, less. But what does the Bible teach? How much parents should be involved?
1: Very good question. I, I actually dealt with that this week in church. If you read in the Bible, when Abraham's looking for a wife for Isaac, uh, the parents traditionally had a very large role. You know, now when kids are young, they ought to very carefully listen to the input of their parents. They know them. They know their strengths and weaknesses. Sometimes others know us better than we do. And if kids would often listen to their parents' advice when it comes to picking a mate for life, the voice of experience could really guide them and sometimes save them a lot of uh, incompatibility and, and anguish. As young people get older, if they're young adults and they've got their own job and they've got some experience, then, you know, it's always nice to have, you know, people you're interested in meet the family and get your parents' input. But the older you get, the more self-sufficient you are, the more mature you are, the more independent you would be in that decision. The Bible, you ask for Bible answer, Uh, the parents you know I was just reading this week when Nehemiah said do not let your sons marry pagan girls and do not let your daughters marry pagan boys so the parents evidently had a lot of say in who the kids married back then because they could prevent it but that doesn't fly in some cultures right now you know all the movies are about falling in love and you see love at first sight and no one ever listens to what does mom and dad say anymore but it's not a bad idea all right a lot of young people out there think I'm crazy. Who's next, Pastor Ross? All right, we got Maria listening in California. Maria, you're on the line. Hi, Pastors.
2: How are you doing?
1: Thank you. And your question tonight?
7: Uh yeah, my question. I've been reading the book of Ezekiel and the last um eight chapters is talking about a temple. And I'm confused what kind of a temple they're talking about. He's talking about.
1: Yeah, it is something of a mystery. There are maybe four or five temples mentioned in the Bible. There's, of course, the temple in the wilderness. There's a temple that was built by Solomon. There's the temple that was rebuilt by Nehemiah and Ezra. There's the temple in Revelation. And then you've got this vast temple that is described in the last chapters of Ezekiel. And Ezekiel's prophecy, there are four prophets in the Bible. I might be missing one, Pastor Ross, but they're called apocalyptic prophets. That means they preach in, there's a, their prophecies are full of symbols. Revelation, Daniel, Zechariah, and Ezekiel are some of the apocalyptic prophets. That means not everything they say is literal, but they're often symbolic. Ezekiel is having dreams and visions, and there's ladies that are carrying pots and things, and uh, he's got a wheel within a wheel rolling around with eyes in it. And you're going, what does that mean? It's not literal. So when Ezekiel talks about this great temple and the river of life flowing from the temple, uh, some of that I think is an allegory of what the nation of Israel was to be. Jesus said, don't you know that we are the temple of God, the church, and that Jesus is the cornerstone. And the apostle said, we are being built up as living stones in that temple. And Christ said, destroy this temple made with hands, and in three days I will make one without hands. He spoke of his body. So here's this spiritual temple that is spoken of in the New Testament. Ezekiel may have seen this temple with the river of life flowing as a symbol of what was going to happen with God's people, taking the message of the gospel to the world. It may have been a symbolic temple. You got any thoughts on that, Pastor Ross? No, I
2: think you're right, Pastor. I mean, if Perhaps if Israel would have been faithful to God, and God was able to fulfill his full purpose with Israel, uh, there could very well have been this type of a temple there in Jerusalem. All the nations would flow to. That's right. Mm-hmm. That was God's first plan for Israel, that there would be this great lighthouse of truth to the world.
1: Yeah. And there's some similarity between Revelation and Ezekiel, because in Ezekiel and Revelation, they're measuring the temple. hmm And no, we know in Revelation, it's a symbol of God's people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Maria, I, I hope that helps a little bit. Uh, I do have a book I think you'll enjoy, and it's called Spiritual Israel, and we talk about the spiritual temple in there. Oh, wait a second. We got a new sanctuary magazine. We do. Maybe we can send her one. Divine Design, yeah. The number to call if you'd like to receive
2: our brand-new sanctuary magazine. It's called Design Divine Design, Divine design. and uh, we'll be able to send this to, to you, Maria, or anyone who asks, and this is one of our premier resources. I think you'll really enjoy it number to call is 800-835-6747, and you can ask for Divine Design, a new magazine on the sanctuary. We've got a caller from Alabama, and uh, let's see, we have Alina who's uh, calling. Alia or Alina? Alabama. You can... Alina. Alina, yes, welcome to the program. Hi. And your
1: question tonight. we got two minutes.
7: Okay, my question is that I want to know um okay back in the bible days how um the the angel visited mary and told her that she was going to give birth to um jesus and but so basically my question that i want to ask is do angels still visit god's people today like they did back in the bible days
1: yeah good questions is it possible for angels to still visit people today absolutely Uh, You've got angels intermingling and uh, delivering messages all through the Bible. We know angels still exist. The Bible promises the angel of the Lord encamps round about those that fear him. You have angels from Genesis to Revelation. These are the ministering spirits. They have not ceased to minister. Now, if someone says, I saw an angel, of course, we're always suspicious whether they really saw an angel or if they uh, had a dream. Uh, but i don't doubt that there are real people that have had encounters i know one man i really believe him uh just a saint that said that he was going to enter world war one this is a long time ago and he was praying about it while he was praying in the cabin where he was praying all of a sudden it was filled with light and this angel appeared to him and said you shall not go and he said you're to go to college and study for ministry And it disappeared, and he just he describes it, and even when he describes it, his face glows. I think he really saw an angel, but of course, the word of God is complete. So, if someone says, "I've got a new message from an angel," angels aren't delivering anything that's separate from the word of God now. So, you got to be careful about that. Thank you for your question. We sure appreciate that. We do have a, a lesson about angel
2: messages, and we'll be happy to send that to anyone who calls and asks. The number is 800-835-6747. And again, you can ask for the lesson called Angel
1: Messages. And you'll enjoy enjoy that, Aliana. Uh, Friends, we're just about out of time. Want to remind everybody that um, this program, you're hearing it only because people like you say, I'm being edified and we want to keep it on the air. Would you go to the Amazing Facts website? You can just click donate there, send a little something, help us know you're listening. We sure appreciate hearing from you. God bless.
0: Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We hope you understand your Bible even better than before. Bible Answers Live is produced by Amazing Facts International, a faith based ministry located in Granite Bay, California. Find out what the critics are raving about. Top scholars and theologians from around the country come together to reveal the hidden history of the book of Revelation. With powerful reenactments and incredible visual effects, this 95-minute masterpiece brings to life the book of Revelation like never before. Revelation is no longer a mystery. Get your copy today. Visit iTunes or afbookstore.com. Journey back through
9: time to the center of the universe. Discover how a perfect angel transformed into Satan, the arch-villain. The birth of evil, a rebellion in heaven, a mutiny that moved to earth. Behold the creation of a beautiful new planet and the first humans. Witness the temptation in evil. Discover God's amazing plan to save his children. This is a story that involves every life on earth. Every life cosmic conflict. If God is good, if God is all-powerful, if God is love, then what went wrong?
0: For life-changing Christian resources, visit afbookstore.com. If you'd like to enhance your study of God's Word, visit our website at www.amazingfacts.org and sign up for our free Bible study course. And make sure to check out our online bookstore at afbookstore.com, which offers thousands of inspiring books, DVDs, and more to help you get the most out of God's Word. To take advantage of the offers you've heard on this broadcast, call us at 800-835-6747 or visit our website at amazingfacts.org. Did you enjoy this program? Make sure to tell your family and friends. Tune in next time for more Bible Answers Live, honest and accurate answers to your Bible questions.